from Manhattan Associates, this is Nucleus of Innovation, the retail and supply chain podcast where we tackle some of the most important topics in the industry and learn how leaders are managing their supply chain challenges every day. I'm your host, Chris Shaw. I'd like to give a quick reminder to all our listeners that we're adjusting our podcast a bit for the next few weeks as we focus on the impacts and the outcomes of COVID-19 and what that will mean for manufacturers, distributors, and retailers in both the near and long term. So you'll be getting a short form of our podcast, but the plan is to do a whole lot more of them for you. I want to apologize today in advance for any audio discrepancies. All of us on the podcast here are quarantined at home, just like you. Today, we are discussing the ways retail, distribution, and manufacturing organizations can still get their software implementation and update projects in on time during a disruption like the coronavirus pandemic. I'd like to introduce Stuart Gant. He's a senior vice president at Manhattan Associates who oversees all the cloud operations and professional services activities for the Americas. Welcome to the podcast, Stuart. Hey, thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. Now, Stuart, your organization is one of the most experienced supply chain execution groups in the world, but a significant component to the success of any project, whether that's a functional extension or a completely new solution installation or upgrade, is the ability for the, your teams and client teams to work closely together, to build trust and to depend upon each other, isn't it? Yes, it is, Chris. I mean, when you look at the complexity of the projects that we do, it's critical that both the client side organization that's working on it, as well as the Manhattan team, uh, work really well together and all pull in the same direction. And a big part of what drives that is being able to build relationships through the project to help make sure that we're all pulling in the same direction, as I mentioned. And, and that's something that uh, we focus quite a bit on in our implementations. And that level of connectedness manifests itself in some pretty staggering stats each year when it comes to putting your teams next to your client teams that you support, right? Absolutely, Chris. It's it's a very large-scale organization when you look at it. Uh, we have about a 1,000 associates who are supporting around 425 go-lives every year. Uh, that turns out to be around 22,000 nights in hotels and about 7,400 flights every year. So a lot of activity to support all these projects and keep them moving and make sure that we deliver them all successfully. Wow, that is uh, some significant effort to put people in the right place at the right time. With the abrupt impact of shelter-in-place guidance, travel restrictions, and an increased concern for employee safety on both sides, that world has been turned upside down pretty quickly. Can you tell us a little bit about how your organization has adjusted to this new normal? What kinds of activities and techniques are you using to keep the projects on track? Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. I mean, obviously, no one could have predicted what has unfolded over the past two to three months. It has really changed the way we operate uh, at a very rapid pace. I, I will say that it's amazing to watch an organization like the team I get to work with um, and the client side organizations, how quickly they've been able to adapt. It's uh, an unbelievable testament to their flexibility to be able to completely change how they operate in this fast of a time period. But to be more specific about what, what has changed, you know, a lot of it has to do with in the, in the start of a project, we have a, a kickoff and a design process that historically has always been 100% on site. 
all in a conference room together, all working off of a whiteboard, walking out into the distribution center and looking at processes and evaluating how things work and then coming back into the conference room and, and flushing out exactly how it needs to work in the 2B process. You know, it's configuration and building out the application together. It's testing the application in the same conference rooms together. And then it's go live where you're turning on the application and, and we're there on the floor with them. Uh, supporting them through their change management. So that's the way the world used to work. Um, now, I think what we've seen is that we've been very successful in being able to leverage really technology that's around us every day, you know, video conferencing, whether it's, you know, WebEx or Teams, et cetera, um, leveraging that to drive design, pro design kickoffs, to be able to use iPhones and uh, videos just to record processes, to ask the client to go out on the floor, record a process instead of being walk it, and then turn around and, and have that sent over to us. We evaluate it. We leverage that as part of the virtual kickoffs and virtual design sessions that we're doing. Um, you know, the build process is something that can be done pretty easily remotely, but when you get into testing, it's really important that the teams are able to work quote unquote, side by side. So we've been able to work in ways where we're sharing our screens with the person we're paired up with on the client side to help them through all the testing activities they've got to get done, being able to answer their questions as if we're right next to each other on an all day long video conference, essentially, one-on-one. -on -one. And then go lives, uh, you know, over the past two, three weeks, and as we look forward to the next quarter, we expect about 75% of our go lives to be remote. And um, that that's definitely a challenge. You know, there, there are some go lives that we do where it's an upgrade, it's an existing client, it's the fifth site we're rolling out. And in general, there's not a high demand or a high risk around change management. But when you're talking about a new client, first time using the system, uh, implementing a fair amount of change, when you get into a go live situation like that, it becomes harder to be able to manage through the change management aspects of the implementation when you're remote. And that goes back to uh, having to drive in a lot of the tools that we've been talking about, the video conferences. And sometimes those are the ones where we might be on site based on what the client's comfortable with and what our team's comfortable with. But ultimately, it's it's been interesting to watch, Chris, how technologies, quite frankly, have been around for a while and, and we never really picked them up and used them to the level or degree that we're using them now, we've been able to apply those technologies to help go solve a lot of these challenging problems. Absolutely. What have you been most surprised about during your organization's shift to a remote implementation strategy? Perhaps something that worked even better than you thought it would. Well, really just the team's engagement level. You know, one of the things that I've been most surprised about is the fact that uh, it feels like people are more engaged on video conferences sometimes than they are in, in meetings where we're all in the same room together. Uh, and the use of video conference and how that's been able to be you know, adopted through the entire organization and adopted in a consistent way. And the fact that everybody's comfortable with it, uses it, it's now just you know the, the, way, the way you do business. And uh, the way that we've been able to be as productive as we are, it, we really haven't you know, missed a beat when it comes to efficiencies for pretty much most of the activities that we do. So it sounds like the screen sharing, the virtual whiteboards, the web conferencing have really made it a little bit easier to do virtual implementations than perhaps we would have thought. 
But what about those things that have proven to be pretty challenging still, even in the virtual world? What benefits of physically being together are perhaps harder to replicate in this digital environment? Yeah, Chris, I think the biggest thing, and we've been fortunate right now because we're still relatively early in this process of adjusting to working remotely. And a lot of the projects we were working were already in flight for the most part. Um, And the ones that were going live, they were already in flight. So the relationships were already built, well-established. Teams had already figured out how to work well together. Um, I think where the challenges will be going forward, depending on how long this new normal exists for us, is where we have new projects, especially with clients that we've never worked with before. And it's critically important in a project to be able to build relationships and build trust uh, and how well you know we can both collectively do that, the client as well as us, in a remote world will be interesting to see and especially how that plays out over the period of time all the way through to the go live, which is the, you know, the crucible where everything comes together. So I think that's still remains to be seen. We're going to be putting all the tools in place that we've talked about earlier to continue to tighten up those relationships with those clients and engage with them as much as they'll, they'll allow us to and uh, see how that works through. But we've been fortunate so far that, most of the projects we've been working are with clients that we already had a long track record with. All right, let's project forward. What components of the remote project management strategies that you're using today are likely to continue even after the quarantines are lifted and the services teams are able to meet face-to-face with their client counterparts again? Chris, I mean, I think that everybody's confidence level with the technologies that we use have you know, increased dramatically. And I think the willingness to be able to have a video conference instead of a meeting where we fly out to see a particular client uh, for a you know, one-day meeting or something like that, I think the acceptance to that will be a lot higher and it will open up a lot more flexibility in terms of how we engage. I will say back to that relationship point I talked about earlier, though, I do believe it's critically important that the teams have very tight relationships. And a lot of that is it's a lot easier to build those types of relationships when you're going out to lunch together or you're face-to-face. So there's still going to be a need for face-to-face interaction on the PM side, but there'll be periodic meetings where we'll be able to have a lot more confidence in the tools that we've been able to prove out and it may minimize some of that engagement. Sure. I think that kickoff you mentioned earlier where you need to meet a team and get face-to-face and get to know each other and trust each other probably continues to be really valuable to have in person. But perhaps those one-off meetings that happen subsequent to that don't need to necessarily happen in person as often. And maybe that overall can just drive down the overall cost of projects and increase the speed at which we can complete those projects. All right, Stuart, last question. For an organization out there who's looking to keep their project moving in these uncertain times, what are one or two things you would tell them to make sure and focus on to get right? Well, I think the biggest thing is to embrace the technology that's out there today. You know, find a good video conferencing solution, leverage that, uh, leverage it, be comfortable having an ongoing video conference for the whole day where two people are supposed to be working together hand in hand. I think also where you look at unique usages of other technologies like GoPros. Uh, You know, I I ran across an interesting story where our team who does labor studies uh, and time studies, which are a very manual on-site 
on the floor, watching a person with a stopwatch, evaluating how long it takes them to do a particular process. That's always been done on site. Um, they were able to set up GoPros with that particular operator on their fork truck and just run a GoPro video. And they were able to take that pro video and break it down. And it's actually an incredibly useful tool uh, for building very, very accurate standards. So I think the point would be for other organizations is just embrace the technology to say our video conferencing tools, GoPro tools, uh, videos off of iPhones that can all be used to uh, help really you know, bring these teams together. Well, Stuart, that's all the time we have for today, but this has been really fascinating. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Yeah, my pleasure, Chris. 